you see, I I have a friend that I went through all of school with. I mean, we were in elementary together, and he always he's always said this to me: "You're still good at everything you do." Why is that? Why are you so good at whatever you try to do? And I, I'm not real sure, but I think it's because I give my all to everything I do. That what, what I do is my passion. And I'm going to give my passion my all. Hello, my name is Mate, and you have tuned in to episode 17 of the Inbetweeners Checkup. I'm joined today by Jeff Markinet. I should have actually asked about that pronunciation, <laughs> apologies, um, who is going to be sharing his story with us today. Um, I guess this is going to be really, well, I'm really intrigued, to be fair. Um, I've looked into Jeff, and I think you know what's happened to him is is a difficult situation for people to, for anyone really to experience but just the way in that he's taken this situation and become a beacon of light i'm gonna say for one of a better term but i can throw out all these ideas of what he has done but i think it's best to hand it over to you jeff and um let you tell everyone a bit about yourself so over to you I thank you very much for that. I I am so honored to be here just to know that I'm on a show right now that is in New Zealand. That that's just crazy to me. And I I never thought that I would be on a show in New Zealand and that that just blows my mind. You don't understand how excited I am, how blessed I am just to get the opportunity to do something like this. But like he said, my name is Jeff Markinett Jr. I am from Ohio, United States. And I, when I was 17, I was involved in a serious car accident. Now, this car accident wasn't like most car accidents. You see, I was sitting at a red light, waiting to turn left, changing my music on the radio, and wasn't really paying attention. And a friend of mine behind me actually honked at me to let me know the light had turned green. Now, I have a lot of friends that like to mess with me, I, I'm sure you might have that too. And I, I was kind of cautious of that. So I quickly looked up to make sure the light wasn't red and it, was, it wasn't just him messing with me, but it was green. So without looking, I went ahead and pulled forward. That was a big mistake. You see, when I got into that intersection, a semi, decided to run the red light. He hit me right in the driver's side door and he left me automatically unconscious. And I had a broken neck, a fractured jaw, 
which was wired shut for three months. And my, I had a halo on for my neck. So I looked like an angel. <laughs> no, I, I just couldn't turn my head. <laughs> it's really an ugly contraption. And then I had two fractured ribs, a punctured lung, and a ruptured spleen. Now, my worst injury is one that nobody can see. My worst injury is one that affects me to this day. It's what makes me walk a little funky, talk a little funky, and it is actually a traumatic brain injury, and that will stick with you over time, and it makes things harder to do. But I'm not saying they're impossible, because things are only impossible till someone does them. And I, now I am just living every day. And I am so thankful just to be alive now that nothing else really bothers me now. I'm, I'm just so thankful. It's it's beautiful, Jeff. And I mean, look, we're, you're probably, it's, it's been a few years um, since that accident, but I guess if you can look back on not necessarily your life before that, but your perspective on life at, at 17, where I guess we're going through a lot of discovery and going through that process of rehabilitation and such like, how did, how did your outlook on the world change? All right, well, I always had a great family, always had a great life at home and great friends and everything that way. I was an uh, athlete. I played multiple sports a year. I rode my bike every single day. It didn't matter what the weather was like. I was out on my bike, but... When I was 17, I would say I was one of those kids that felt invincible, much like most kids. I, I would see bad things happen to people I knew. And I would always think, well, that can't happen to me. I'm better than that. I, I'm not saying I thought I was better than other people, but I thought my abilities were better than other people's and my abilities would save me from the heartaches the hard times in life and that proved not to be true and when i was in the hospital and just out of the hospital i would say that that affected my outlook on life just, I would say, gave me some depression, some anger issues. In fact, I used to, I had a, a drinking problem for a while. I would go out every single night and get drunk. I wouldn't go out to have fun. I wouldn't go out to hang out with people. I would go out to get drunk. Now, I, I see now why that was a problem, but at the time, it was so much easier to go out and get drunk 
then deal with my issue. To deal with having to tell people that when they thought I was drunk at all times anyways, that, hey, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm drunk. And it was just so much easier to tell people that than having to go through my entire story with them. So I, I guess, look, you, you, you've obviously reached a turning point and, and you're quite happy to share your story with people now. And, and I want to thank you again for doing so with myself and the audience today. Um, what was it that perhaps took you on that transition, I guess, from not being okay with your situation to accepting, and I'm going to say even embracing it? Now, that that's a difficult question. I mean, I I always looked at my circumstances that I was in as something that were unfortunate. I always thought that the world owed me pity. That everybody out there needed to look at me differently because I was involved in something so bad that what what's going on now shouldn't matter. But it wasn't that way. I, I don't know why, but one day I just woke up and I thought to myself like, hey, this is your life now. You got to live, son. You, you can't be wallowing in your own pity. You can't expect the world to pity you. You need to make something happen. And this avenue of speaking to people, talking to people, giving them motivation, encouragement, inspiration, just felt so natural to me. And it's crazy. People look for their purpose in life. And I, I found my purpose, but I had to go through something to find my purpose. Now, I have a friend named Corey Fox who had a post up on Facebook the other day. Now, I thought this was pretty cool because this post said something awesome. It said he was in the dollar store. He was walking around getting his stuff and he went out to check out or went up to check out. And there were two kids behind him in line with a young mother. And the one kid was older. He was probably a teenager. And the, then the other kid was a toddler. And the older kid was holding a pack of glow sticks. And the little baby was yelling and screaming, trying to get those glow sticks. So the mom took the glow sticks from the older kid and ripped them open, handed one to the little kid, and the little kid stopped crying. Then once Corey got done checking out and 
the other people got done checking out. They were walking outside together. And the the older kid took the glow stick from the little kid. So the little kid started crying and screaming again. And the mother yelled at the older kid, and the older kid broke the glow stick and handed it back to the kid. And all of a sudden it started gone. And and the little kid got all excited like it was lighting up now. And Corey said that hit him. That he realized that sometimes you and me and everybody have to be broken in order to find our purpose. We have to go through something. We have to experience something to find out what our true purpose is in life. And the true purpose of that glow stick was to glow, but it wouldn't glow until after it was broken. So that, that makes me wonder, like, if I didn't find my purpose because I went through an accident. Now, disclaimer here. I'm not telling anybody to go get in an accident so they can find their purpose. No, 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 don't do that. In fact, I'm trying to save you from being in an accident. I'm trying to save all kinds of people from having to go through what I went through. Even though it helped me find my purpose, that's not your way. Your way is not my way. <laughs> and that's the problem with the world a lot of times today, that they think that one person's way is the only way. Mm -hmm. But it's not. You see, he, oh, excuse me. He's found his purpose to be this host right now. And I found my purpose to be this guest right now. I found my purpose speaking all over the world. I found my purpose in writing a book. I found my purpose doing so many things, but that's not your purpose. You're not intended to do the same thing I do. And that's okay. We need to accept that. Absolutely. And look, like, well, there's, there's so much there that I could touch on. I'm not sure where to start. Um, I mean, let, let's be honest, there are a huge amount of people out there who have yet to find what their purpose is in this world. And I think some people have experiences that mean that they can come to this realization earlier in life. Some people can go perhaps their whole life and, and still not really get there. Um, if, if we look at that process of getting to a point where you can realize your, your purpose, perhaps not through an accident per se, but do you feel there are underlying elements that people need to be exposed to for them to get that clarity or that focus? 
we were talking before the show about getting uncomfortable in order to be comfortable. Now, I I think it is something to say that that yeah, I was put in an uncomfortable position after my accident. And that helped me find my purpose. So that could be an easy way to find your purpose is get out of your comfort zone. But it also might not be. I I don't know. I wish I could give somebody the exact way to find their purpose, but nobody can do that, I don't think. No, no, that's for sure. And I, I think I think to be fair, you have touched on an important point there is that basically and unless we put ourselves out there in some way, then we're not necessarily going to get any feedback as to whether we're whether or not we're on the right path. And in essence, if you don't change the inputs, you don't change the output. So you can't, I guess, expect to find your purpose by doing every, doing everything you're already doing. Because if if you if that was going to find you your purpose, it would have already happened. You know? Yeah. So like uh, Tom or wait, is it Albert Einstein or yeah, I think it's Albert Einstein that talks about insanity and his definition of insanity. And actually, the definition of insanity is doing the same things over and over and over again and expecting different results. It's not going to happen that way. You have to do different things. You have to fill your head with different things. You have to make your thoughts different in order to achieve something different. And I mean, I can speak from from personal experience going, you know, it hasn't quite worked. I'm just going to put in more of the same effort to make things happen. And, you know, there's the the banging your head against a brick wall type dynamic um, where you think just a little bit more effort will make the difference and a little bit more effort. And then you just leave exhausted and without the result that you wanted because you've put energy into the wrong effort. So, I mean, you talked about your, your speaking to people and, and that sharing of your message. What's, I mean, look, we, we wouldn't be talking now if I didn't think that there was, there was some beauty to that. What's been the response from people when they hear what you have to say? You know, I, I actually just talked to a principal the other day where I I went into his school just before the lockdown from COVID and I got to speak to the entire sixth grade. Now, when, before he, he gave me a little warning, he told me that these kids aren't always attentive. Don't, don't expect them to be paying great attention to you because they have other things like phones and pencils and paper, and they can pass notes. I said, all right, cool. And 
I sent him a message the other day. Asked him what he thought of what he noticed. Did he notice anything different in the kids after I went and spoke to him? He said he, he didn't have a lot of time to tell because the lockdown happened right after I was there. But he said that he was so surprised that they, they were so attentive when I was there. The phones didn't come out. The paper and pencils didn't come out. The notes, non-existent. They were paying attention. They were gaining knowledge from what I was saying. And they were gaining perspective on what I was saying. And they were gaining long-term goals from what I was saying. And it, it was absolutely amazing. Look, and I mean, it probably wasn't necessary your intention, but you um, potentially helped, I'm gonna say, set them up for lockdown with that perspective on life with potentially tools that they could operate in a situation which was new, unfamiliar, isolating, stressful, whatever you, you talk about it, you know, and um, I think the more we can help others, uh, the better humanity will be, in a sense, um, and we've got different talents and, and, and ways to do that, and it, I think if you can come back to how can I better serve the world, then in some way I like to think you can come to your purpose through that. Just wherever I get the chance to share my story is more of a blessing to me. Mm. And I absolutely love doing it. And it's just something when I can stand up there on stage and see that somebody gets it, that somebody knows how they can do something now. Just because that people, I, I, don't, I don't know. It's just amazing, man. That's beautiful. I mean, yeah, you, you said it very succinctly and, and I, I think that's great. I mean, whether or not we, admit it or appreciate it you know we have the ability to assist others um and it can be very simple as like just a helping hand or small words of encouragement or any way shape um you know it doesn't have to be monumental in terms of spending every waking moment with someone and, and helping to build them. It can just be these little things that happen across the course of their life, but with lots of little, lots of people offering lots of little things that accumulates into one's life and it really acts as a platform or a foundation for them to, to grow. And I mean, if you look at just parenting, you know, we have that relationship with a child and that regular, well, I would like to think regular encouragement and support for that person to grow um, but perhaps once we leave childhood in essence those people those support networks become less defined in our lives but I still think 
they're just as important. Um, and for a lot of people, they can kind of find themselves in the big wide world without necessarily having some kind of network or support structure there. So for people like yourself, I think there's an opportunity to be sharing your message with, with those people as well as children. And look, I mean, I don't think there's any way, anyone who wouldn't appreciate what you have to say at this time. And, and the more people you can share it with, I think, kudos to you. Um, in terms of uh, the future and what that might hold, have you given any thought to where you want to take what you're doing at this time? Well, I have, but I want to speak to as many schools as I can. I, I, I really want to help set up the youth of this nation, of that nation, of nations in Africa, of nations in Antarctica. Heck, I, I want to do nations in Russia. And yeah, I know that's probably dangerous, but, but I, I want to help the youth set up their life with a foundation because you don't build a strong house on a weak foundation. So why are you going to build a life that you're hopefully going to be living for 75, 80, 90, or even 100 years on a weak foundation. So if I believe that if we give them the skills to strengthen that foundation at a younger age, they'll, they'll be able to do it because kids can do so much these days. Yeah, they they put their efforts into a lot of things that aren't going to help them in the long run. But you, you can't, I can't change that. I can only give them the skills to do the things to strengthen that foundation, to make that foundation strong. But they need guidance in order to do that. So I think while I want to speak at schools, I also think I need to be speaking to parent groups and things like that. Because without parents, kids aren't gonna do this stuff. You can show them it, I can show them how to do it. But without somebody there that's going to hold them to it and make them do it for a little bit until they start seeing the benefit, they're not going to keep doing it. They're, they're going to get distracted. They've got phones. They, they've got these things, which are computers, and they're in their hands. They're not going to pick up a book without a parent telling them to, without a parent threatening something like taking that computer away or taking that phone away. No, kids need structure. 
they have to make sure they learn things and it's the parent's responsibility to teach them these things. But if the parents don't know these things, how in the world are they ever going to teach the kids them? It's very true. It's very true. And I, I guess because you you get those cycles in essence where the the children learn the behavior from the parents who learn the behavior from their parents and so far and so forth and you just uh create i mean it, it, it's been uh, observed within sort of family violence um it's been observed within poverty um there's a lot of yeah these underlying things that just kind of get repeated and learned and it's like well how do you how do you disrupt that cycle how do you um create change i guess um for the better i i i might have a solution for that and i i didn't ask if i could do this on the show but i'm going to just because it's the perfect segue for this this is my new book it is called make every second count a 1500 hour journal this is a book that I have written with the help of Adria Luster in the foreword by Dr. Ruben West. And this book is all about sharing my story and helping your kids get to where they need to be, teaching them that they need to be grateful for things and how they need to express their gratitude and it's designed to give them all kinds of perspective and long-term range goals. And it's just crazy that I, I, I'm so blessed to have been able to put this book together. And actually, I, I want to give your audience a gift. Is that all right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well... If you go to my website at www.jeffmarconettejr.com, which is jr.com, so it's jeffmarconettejr.com, and then sign up for a free account there, you can follow me in the blog and you can interact with me in the blog but you can also read the first week of that journal and that journal is available on Amazon and it, it's actually on Amazon Australia I believe so it, it's available around you guys yeah so. australia is not that far away <laughs> but I, I mean the great thing about i'm oh, sorry i was going to say the great thing about technology these days is you know we can order something from the us and and it just arrives a, a week or so later in the mail maybe give or take a, a few weeks at the moment um, that's, that's a great thing out, out of interest um for those who perhaps are more audio focused, any um, thoughts around putting it up on Audible or any um, other platforms? Not, not yet. 
Uh, I'll probably get to that at yep. some but it's it's a journal so the journal is going which this book actually has space for people to write in here and it, it's made to be interactive so I don't know that it will be perfect for Audible hmm. but yeah I have thought about it very good well, that's that's awesome, and and um, again, well well done to you for I guess doing what you've done up to this point, and also I guess having a bit of a plan as to what you can do in the future. You know, I think we when we look at the issues that exist in the world, it's easy to kind of try and get try and I guess determine how to resolve them, um, but rather than dealing with the issues that we face if we can kind of respond in a way that means that they don't even manifest in the first place then we're going to be so much better off and that means starting with the, our youth or our children and basically teaching them how to live well in the world and giving them the tools so that they can respond to whatever life throws at them um and hopefully in doing that and getting the right messages from the right people they can find their own purpose and then help help others in that journey so listen jeff thank you again so much for for coming on the show and, and sharing your story and, and your message um is there anything that you would like to leave uh, the audience with today before we call it in? Um. I, I have five lessons that I learned from my near-death experience. Now, th this might take me a minute, but the first one is before my accident, I had all these abilities. Now, I'm not talking abilities to play sports. I'm not talking abilities to run i'm not talking abilities like that i'm talking abilities like a being able to sit up straight being able to actually use your arms use your hands use your fingers i'm talking the ability to turn your head without turning your whole body and i i took all those abilities for granted so my first one is take nothing for granted and then my second one is before my accident i always wanted all kinds of things now i told you before that i had a great family i had great friends i played all kinds of sports and you see i lived in a nice house in a nice neighborhood where my parents drove nice cars had good jobs but i always wanted things like them to have a bigger house for me to play in and i always wanted them to have better jobs making better money so they could drive nicer cars but i, I wasn't thankful for what i already had so my third point 
is life is a precious gift. It's so precious and so fragile. We should, it should be celebrated. It should never just be like, oh, I, I woke up today. No, you, you need to decide right now that you woke up. It's going to be a great, it's going to be a fantastic day. And then it's going to be because you made the declaration on your life. Now, my fourth principle is never, ever, ever, ever give up on yourself. Look, if I had given up years ago, like, all right, my accident was 18 and a half years ago. If I, nobody would have blamed me if I would have given up at that time. If, if I would still be lying in a hospital bed in some nursing home right now, if I would still be in that wheelchair right now. But you see, I didn't give up. And I know that everybody out there that's listening or watching this, that you should never, ever, ever, ever give up on yourself. And then my last one is, I realized that I could make every second count. And everyone else can if I did. You see, there are 86,400 seconds in a day. A lot of people look at me like I'm nuts for knowing that. But I, I know that. And the, a lot of people think at the same time as me being nuts is... How, how are you going to make them all count? Well, you see, I, I have this ability to walk now. I, I have all those abilities to turn my head, to use my arms, my legs, my feet, my hands, my fingers. And I'm so thankful for that. So be thankful for everything that you have in your life. And remember, every second that things are possible and you are never impossible because the word impossible even says I am possible. So okay. remember that, but I need everybody out there, including you to do me a favor this week. What's that? I need you to make every second count. Why? Because you never know when the seconds are going to run out on your one life. Hey, I'm Jeff Marginette Jr., the award-winning international Make Every Second Count speaker, saying to you, make every second count. Thank you, Jeff. I will do it.